things God has before us as a church here. So I'm, I'm excited that you're here. If you're here, if you're visiting, I don't, I don't think God does accidents. So we got, we got something for you. We uh, got, a, got a pitch for you here. So, uh, but no, uh, I will just trust that God will speak. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump on into this here. So. Uh, well, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this beautiful morning, this glorious morning. We thank you for giving us life today. We thank you for uh, just giving us amazing weather today. Um, we thank you for, you know, uh, just being here with us. And Lord, we just pray that uh, you would speak to each one of us here this morning. God, you know our stories. You know where we're coming from, where we're headed to. You know the plans you have for us. And I pray that uh, this morning you would just open up a channel, Lord, to each one of our hearts, that you would use your word and your spirit, and that you would speak through me to accomplish your will here this morning. We just give you permission to do that. We invite you to do that. That We just ask you would be glorified um, by this time together this morning. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here. Um, see, before we get started, we might uh, take a look at this here. I don't know if you guys saw our new uh, the new ministry at the Firehouse Church is a new graffiti ministry. So, um, if you are interested in graffiti at all, please see. Uh, I don't know, Greg Miller, maybe uh, he helped with this. But uh, no, this is a neat, um, awesome. Thank you, Russ. <laughs> Praise the Lord. God bless that guy. Amen. Wow, this is good. All right, thanks for coming this morning, guys. I'm just going to know. Anyways, we do, you know, kind of, if you know the neighborhood at all, it's been transforming and stuff, and graffiti is not uncommon to this building. And so finally we uh, we decided, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, right? And so we are starting a new ministry here, the graffiti ministry. But no, I'm just joking. We had uh, some guys come in. There's actually a guy that teaches graffiti at North High School, Denver North here down the street. And so he came and he helped... uh, he helped us get some graffiti started here, and so um, people pitched in last night as part of the nightlife service, and so we do have, however, some unassuming graffiti artists in, in our midst here, and so I've got to call out a couple people here. Is Sandra floating around here somewhere? Sandra Carter is quite a graffiti artist. We think she's had some experience with this. Mary Joy over here as well. She's, she must have done this out in Brighton or something. I don't know. Keep an eye on her. But uh, no, anyways, it was, a, it was a great time, and you can see this on display out in the cafe if you missed it there and uh, we'll see we're going to target some different places around the neighborhood to, to do this to next so uh, but uh, no anyways that's, that was fun I thought we'd show that uh, um, anyways we're going to jump into this uh, the story this morning I think it's uh, uh, the more I've, I've looked into it the more I've read about it I just feel like God has something in this story of Jonathan and his armor bearer and this kind of venture they went on and I think it could relate to us more more than I had imagined before and, and hopefully more than, than you imagine here when you're done but um, we're going to go ahead if you have a Bible you can turn here with me in 1 Samuel 14 if you don't I'm just going to read a read this section here, and then we're going to talk about, really we're going to look at three examples from this story, um, from Jonathan and his, uh, his armor bearer, their relationship there, and uh, see what we can, what examples we can pull out of that to follow ourselves here. So, First uh, Samuel 14, and let's see here, we'll just read this, uh, I'm going to read down to really verse, probably 15. Um, so here we go. Um, now, there's a few names and things in here I might uh, breeze through uh, as Old Testament location and pronunciation is not my forte, but we'll, uh, we'll see as we go here. Now, a detachment of Philistines had gone out to the pass at Michmash. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young, arm, the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. Uh, with him were about 600 men, among who was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. Uh, he was the son of Ichabob's brother Ahiatub, a son of Phinehas, and a son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Bozaz and the other Senna. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash and the other south towards Geba. Or Geba. Uh, 
Jonathan said to his young armor-bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor-bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come then, we will cross over towards the men and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you, we'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, we will climb up, because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines, the Hebrews are crawling out of the holes where they were hiding. The men at the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor-bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan and his armor-bearer, uh, Jonathan said to his armor-bearer, Climb up after me, the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor-bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer followed and, and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Then the Lord struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Then verse, a couple of verses later down the end of the chapter here, verse 23, So the Lord rescued Israel that day, and the battle moved on beyond Beth-Avon. So there's kind of the context of the story we're talking about here. Um, you know, the scene was that the Philistines were occupying the land and they, um, they were oppressing the Israelites, kind of a, a theme often of Israelites being oppressed. The last couple stories we've looked at kind of had the same scenario. There's God's people and, and they were being oppressed by another people, often related to things they had done wrong and God allowed these other people to humble them then occasionally they would cry out to God for help and, and they'd go through this cycle and here's once again another look at that cycle but um, so there was Saul and, and his tiny army and, and Jonathan and they were facing this you know the size of the army just for a little more point of reference here verse thir- or chapter 13 just says the Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. You know, later on it goes on to say here that uh, Saul, King Saul had about 600 men with him at a time. He started off with 3,000 and they got scared, ran away, went down to 600 men. And it goes on to say, I think even funnier situation is that out of all of them, because they were being oppressed, they had, um, they had two swords in the whole army, it seems to be. Um, the uh, Philistines did not allow them to have weapons, and they charged them money just to even sharpen their plows and their axes and things like that. But it seems like this army of Saul and Jonathan, there was two swords and 600 guys and, and one each. And, you know, I, I could see myself kind of going... No sword, and these guys have chariots, and, you know, I'm going to go do a little hiding here myself and join in with some of those guys. But, uh, but that's not, you know, that's not what we see in Jonathan's example here. So we're going to look at uh, just three, three things from their story here. Um, and one of them is just, um, relates to this verse right here. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. And so just a few things here to to look at, but one of the points I just want to draw out, examples we see here, is that Jonathan initiated in a risky faith venture. Jonathan, he initiated in this risky venture, and, um, you know, a couple questions to ask would be, one, um, what what made it risky, you know? Um, and I guess maybe that's pretty obvious, but if you've got two people and one sword and you're facing... You know, in this case, he said, let's go attack that outpost over there. Um, you know, it's kind of risky. It's He's saying, you know, it's, he, he phrased his risk proposition kind of like this, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. We're going to go attack these guys, and, and perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. You know, the other side of that coin is really... And perhaps if the Lord doesn't act on our behalf, we're going to die here, buddy. Um, you know, it's, there was a risk. You know, if God did not come through, they were putting themselves in harm's way, really, in a lot of ways. So it was a, a risky faith venture here. Um, you know, so you've got to ask the question, why did Jonathan engage in such a risk? 
you know, there's probably a couple couple things that come to mind. Uh, initially, one is just uh, maybe he was just one of those guys. He's just one of those driven guys. You know, uh, he read uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and he knew he needed to get his BHAG out there. You know, the BHAG acronym, Big Hairy Audacious Goal. You know, he just wanted he needed a BHAG, and you know, here's a BHAG. Two of us outposts. Let's do this thing. Charge, you know, and ply our seven habits here, and let's go get them. Um, you know, that was a possibility. Another thing was maybe he just was randomly. It's a random act of faith, a random act of courage. You know, it's like that bumper sticker. You guys have seen those bumper stickers before. If you know me, I love bumper stickers. Um, and if I ever get one, uh, I gotta get the random practice random acts of kindness. You know, isn't that the way to go? If you have that bumper sticker, I'm sorry. Um, we'll, we'll get you a different one here. I don't mean to pick on you. But, you know, practice random acts of kindness. I'm like, it just sounds like what Jesus taught, right? Just randomly for no reason. Just do something nice. I think Jesus is kind of like, uh, practice consistent acts of kindness. As a matter of fact, treat others like you want to be treated. I don't know if Jonathan was just practicing a random, hey, let's do something random. I'm bored. Come on, armor bearer. Let's go do something exciting. Um, maybe he just had a crazy faith. He's just like, let's just do something crazy because I'm just a crazy guy. Um, I don't know. We don't necessarily see that in here as well. But, but there's two things that I think he was thinking at least. Two things of why he engaged in this that uh, you know, can relate to us in an upcoming situation here. But I think he had a really big view of God. And I think he knew what was on God's heart. He had a big view of God. And he knew it was on God's heart. You know, he didn't just do a random, hey, let's just go fight some random people here. There were people who were oppressing God's people, the nation of Israel. And they, were, they knew they were kind of engaged in this battle, and even that God wanted to deliver them. They didn't know the how. But um, he's like, you know, I know this is God's heart to, to set my people free from this oppression. And, and I also, he had a great big view of God. You know, he says right here, nothing can hinder the Lord. Um, other translations say, uh, the Lord is unrestrained. He can save with a few of us or with many of us. And, and he had a really big view of God here. And so he engaged in this risky faith venture. Now, um, as it relates to, some, to us, you know, some of you might have heard that um, we believe God is engaging us into a faith, uh, risky faith venture around here. You know, in some ways, Jonathan initiated in that. But we're in a situation as a church here. We, we shared a little about this last week. Thank you for bearing with the, the Bless You Mother's Day and Here's a Crazy Vision uh, talk that we did last week. It, it ended up being quite a zoo around here, um, but thanks for coming back. Um, but we really feel like God is engaging us into a vision that's kind of a risky faith venture. We shared the idea that we got away a couple weeks ago as pastors. We went uh, up into the mountains there and just spent some time seeking God and uh, praying and playing horseshoes and things like that. Um, but, you know, last time I shared on that, I realized I shared all the fun things. We did pray an awful lot and sing a lot. We were in the scriptures a bit. and uh, But we felt like God met us there and led us into something that we were not thinking we wanted to engage in. And we felt like He engaged us in a big faith venture that was bigger than we had kind of going up the mountain going, yeah, let's do something like this. We came down going, what, what in the world are we signing up for here, you know? And the idea would be to be one church, the Firehouse Church, and yet serving three locations within three years. One church serving three locations. As you know, we've got our map floating around here. If you get a chance, feel free to put a pin in where you're coming from, what part of town. We're trying to put a bunch of pins on the board there just to kind of see but we have a number of people coming from the north side of town from Brighton, Henderson, Thornton, north of there, Arvada. Um, we have a number of people coming from the south side of town down even Parker, Franktown, Elizabeth, uh, Lamar, uh, New Mexico. We've got some people coming from a long ways away down that way um, and so we, we've just been thinking what if you know in that it's great that we have this central location you know some people I was talking to uh, a guy this week that said, um, you know, getting downtown is actually easier than getting just on the same side of town, but out further east. You know, he just said it's actually a pretty easy location to get to. And we've been blessed by that. But we also face this challenge in that, um, you know, um, some things that are on God's heart here. Um, you know, we know that it's on God's heart. The great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. 
um, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And what I've been feeling like with, with our church, and maybe this is churches in general, but we have this dichotomy where we're called to love our neighbor. We go to church, and for those that commute, you know, it would be... Uh, you know, to have your neighbor come with you to where you go to church is kind of would be a crazy commitment. They think you have a crazy commitment. Um, but to invite your neighbor is kind of like, yeah, it's not going to happen. But then we often get a number of visitors here at church as well. And so if you're coming from a long ways away and you meet a visitor, you know, chances of following up with them and saying, hey, let's hang out this week. I'll, I'll drive an hour to meet you somewhere. Is, is, it's not real efficient either. So we have a sense that God would want us to maybe do some things on the north and on the south and in the central location to better love our neighbors, to try to figure out ways to serve our neighbors in ways that they would actually could actually drive to it. It might actually even be in their neighbors. But somehow we've been trying to figure out how do we, how do we love our neighbors and yet how do we have a central headquarters of a church. And, um, but this is an idea we feel like God's been leading us in here. And, um, and yet I think it's going to require a, a bigger view of God than we might have currently had. Sometimes you go, we got limited resources. I had a, went to a luncheon this week uh, with Greg Miller and I went to the Colorado Prayer Luncheon. And uh, the governor was there, and the mayor was there, and a bunch of uppity-ups were there. You know, people I don't know, people who've written books. And then there was me and Greg, you know. Um, and so, uh, boy, I felt, by the time I was done, I felt less significant than when I showed up there. You know, I was glad to get there. We had some friends in Fort Collins, Mitch Majeski. He had tickets to this thing, and he said, hey, I actually have to fly out that day you want to go and check it out. So we checked it out, and, and it was just really humbling. You know, at one point I was talking to, we didn't, I didn't recognize too many people. Greg and I recognize a few. He's done some architect work even um, for different churches there, so he might even know more people than me. But at one point I'm talking to a guy, and, you know, tell me about your ministry, your church. He's telling me about it, and he's like, well, where are you from? I was like, well, yeah, I, you know, I'm a pastor with the Firehouse Church and stuff. And he's like, oh, really? He's like, who's the pastor there? And I'm like, well, I'm one of the full-time pastors there. And I was like, you know, and I was kind of like, you hadn't heard of me. And I was thinking, you heard Brad, Dennis, Tim, any of those ringing a bell here, you know. And, but uh, by the time I was done, I just go, you know, we're, we're a smaller fish uh, in, the, in the, the pond of, you know, whatever church is out there. And, and yet, um, as I was reflecting on this verse right here, you know, Jonathan thought this. He thought, nothing, nothing can hold the Lord back from working here, whether with many or with few. He, he can do this. And you know, sometimes I even think, when I dream about churches and stuff, I dream, you know, I've got a computer science degree, math minor. I dream sometimes mathematically, I think of things like this. Okay, if we have ten people in this church that shared their faith once a week, maybe you pass out a booklet, pass out your faith story, share with someone. Ten people once a week times 50 weeks, say in a year, or, you know, give or take two in case you missed your week. Um, 50 times 10 is... 500. I go, That's, that'd be cool. I like that. That's not bad. But what if we had, instead of 10 people, you know, we have more than 100 adults here. What if 100 people shared their faith once a week, whether it's a booklet, your faith story, once a week for a whole year? How many is that? Well, that's five, uh, that's 100 times 50 again. 5,000. Eh, not bad. These numbers are working out here. So, what if we got really crazy and we have 100 people share 10 times a week? 10, you know, passing out tracks, passing out, you know, something. 10 times a week, 100 people for 50 weeks. What do you get to? 50,000. We're getting bigger numbers here. We're dreaming. Um, but for me, the, the faith is always... What if there were more people doing this? What if there were more of us? What if a uh, hundred of us, two hundred of us were sharing our faith? And what if we did that more? Let's do that a hundred uh, times. You know, you start to get to big numbers. But I realize my faith is often tied back into numbers of people. Numbers of people equipped to do this. Number of people with a heart to do this. And I feel like God was showing me, you know what? Jonathan here believed that God would not be restrained, whether there was hundreds of people doing this or whether there's just a couple people doing this. And I, I took encouragement from that because I look at our church and I go, you know, we got as pastors, like it or not, you got a bunch of nobodies leading this church as far as you know it goes in the uppity ups of the city here. Um, a lot of people probably haven't heard of your pastors. They probably haven't heard of your church, and they probably heard of you. I don't know, but uh, not us. But but God. 
is a great God and He can do great things even with a small little church like us, with a few of us. And, and I feel like He's been growing my view of what He can do. And you know, Jonathan knew that. Jonathan engaged in a big faith venture here. He took a big risk. And, um, but I think we might be needing to increase our view of what God can do. You know, Scripture, I think of Matthew uh, 19.26 just says, you know, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. You know, God is not restrained. His power is not limited. Uh, and yet, we are restrained in what we will receive from God based on our view of Him. You know, he, He's going to be the same God who can do infinitely beyond what we ask or imagine. And yet, our experience is going to be restrained by what we think He can do. And I just would encourage you guys to join me in, in getting a bigger view of God, a more accurate view of who He, who he is, and, and catching what's on His heart. You know, God wants us to love our neighbors. Um, I think in small groups this past week we discussed about some different... You know, He said, Go and preach the good news to, to everyone everywhere. You know, Mark 16, 15. He also said, As you go, make disciples. That was in our thing. He said about loving your neighbors. You know, some guy asked him, Yeah, well, who's my neighbor? And he told the story of the Good Samaritan. And he said, you know... Uh, well, who do you think is the neighbor? And the guy's like, well, the guy who showed mercy. And then Jesus said, go and do likewise. You know, I think He wants us to go and engage our neighbors and people all around us in this. And, and He's looking for people like Jonathan who, who've got a big view of what He can do with a few people. And, and I just encourage you to study that example and pray about where, how big is your faith? How big is your view of God? Because I think your grandest thought of God, you know, I realize uh, our, our biggest view of God, our biggest thought is, is not even close to, to how big He is. You know, it says He can do more than we ask or imagine. And when we think of how gracious and how powerful, you know, our biggest thought is, is just pales in comparison to the reality of what God is not restrained to do, you know. So, anyways, um, be thinking about that. This next point we're going to look at here, you know, so he, he throws out this great big risky faith proposal, and then, you know, the classic, amazing, awesome response here. His armor bearer says, uh, Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. You know, this is uh, arguably one of the uh, greatest examples of loyalty throughout the entire Scriptures. His armor bearer saying, I'm in. It's crazy. It's huge. It's a BHAG. It's whatever. And I'm in. I'm with you. It sounds crazy. Let's do it, you know. And uh, I just wanted to draw out a few things we can learn from that example. This example of his loyalty here. Um, you know, we just, the example here, Jonathan's armor bearer blessed him, blessed Jonathan by responding with his loyalty. And that was such a blessing to Jonathan. You know, I think in some ways, uh, Jonathan went on to do what he did because someone said, I'm in, I'm with you. And, um, you know, there's a few things to think about. Why, why was his armor bearer so loyal? Why did he do this? You know, um, I was trying to, you know, as you see, what, where's the answer in scriptures there? I've got one idea of what it might have been there. But some other things I think about, well, maybe the guy was just really driven. He's one of those career track driven guys in the military. You know, an armor bearer, you do what the upper management tells you to do. Yes, sir. How high? And maybe he was just one of those guys. Maybe his armor bearer was a lifelong friend. You know, they went to kindergarten together. They went to armor bearer school together, something like that. And he's just like, you know, you're my buddy. I'm with you. We're, we're, we're kindred spirit. We're locked and loaded here for the rest of our lives. Maybe. Um, we don't exactly know here. There's one thought I'll share that, that I think is in the scriptures there specifically. But the other question we'd ask, well, regardless of why he did it, what would it take to have that sort of loyalty in your life? and in mind. What would it take? You know, a few thoughts on that are just, um, this would take some serious humility. You know, in order to be uh, someone who said, hey, I'm with you. Do all that you have in mind. I'm in. It takes humility. Because you know what often happens is people will say, hey, I'm with you as long as you do things my way. I'm totally in and let me tell you what to do. Or, you know, sometimes it's like, I'm totally in if, you know, it's a 50-50 deal here. I'm, I'm all in. You're one part. I'm one part. 50-50. You know, I, I'm reminded recently as a family here, um, Friday nights we kind of do a little family time. We eat pizza and sometimes watch a video or something. Recently we watched uh, some episodes of Shark Tank. Any of you seen Shark Tank? Yes. My kids are wondering, why are these guys called sharks? They don't eat anybody. Nobody dies. Um, you know, but we watched a few episodes. But... 
you know, these guys, it's fun to watch these billionaires at work, and they're kind of like, yeah, I'm totally in. If you give me like 90% of your business, I'm in. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, uh, sometimes it can be like that. You know, if you write out your terms and conditions, I'm in 90% 90, 90 of your business and, uh, you know, a dollar off of every $1.05 you make, and I'm totally with you. Um, but, but, you know, that's, it takes humility to say, hey, I'm in. Whatever you want to do, whatever's on your heart, I'm in. It took humility for this guy to have that sort of loyalty. I don't think you can have that sort of commitment to someone without loyalty. Um, another thing here we see is that this takes faith. It takes faith to go, I'm in. This is a crazy idea. It actually sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, but I'm in. Um, that takes, you know, maybe he was just crazy. He just had a crazy loyalty. I don't think so. I think this guy... Probably a lot like Jonathan had a pretty big faith, a pretty big view of God. And um, I think about my own life sometimes. You know, I've been in the situations where, um, you know, in church life and church leadership and stuff, sometimes you're called to be the Jonathan and, and you need to initiate and take responsibilities for things. Sometimes God puts you in a position to be an armor bearer. And I feel like over my years of following Christ, I, I've been both. There's times where um, I remember just. You know, uh, early on, I was meeting with a pastor guy. A guy. He baptized me, things like that. But he said, here, I want you to be on this small group with this other guy here. You don't know this guy very well. He's going to be your leader. And I want you to support him and make this a successful small group. And, you know, I was like, that's cool. I don't hardly know the guy. I know you. You baptized me. I don't know him. But, but I'm going to do this. And I jumped in. And I supported this guy named Torgan. Lovely. And, you know, God blessed our small group. And it grew. And soon enough... We had to multiply it, and I took a lead of a small group, and he took one. And, and on my small group, I became like the Jonathan, and I had a guy that became my armor bearer. And as I became a pastor, I've had different situations, a lot of times where I've been the armor bearer guy. I remember I was tagging along with a, my pastor at the time, his name Steve Bush, and he was a real faith venture sort of guy. And, you know, I was like, I I'm, I'm in. I'm with you heart and soul here. Do all that you have in mind. And, and I was his armor bearer. And eventually he went on to plant a church in Amsterdam, and, and I had to step in a role that, boy, I'd much rather, I think it's a little easier to be the armor bearer because you don't have to come up with the crazy ideas and, um, you know, much less try to get people to follow you in those. But um, God had that role for me. And yet then I became an armor bearer for John Meyer, who was uh, one of my co-pastors at the time. And, and so there's these different roles here. But one thing I knew when I... Uh, decide, when I was weighing out, how can I follow this person here? They're, they're a human. They could make mistakes. They could lead me into sin. They could lead me into trouble. If I trust them, I'm going to get burned. I'm going to get hurt. But what I knew, I knew a couple things um, and a couple verses that, that really helped me to square this away. But um, two of them. One was this. Um, one, it actually in scriptures in the New Testament says... Yet you actually are supposed to have a form of commitment and loyalty to your leaders here. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. But in, this, in the New Testament world, you know, I don't know all the details about what was going on with Jonathan and his armor bearer, why, and his motivations, but in the New Testament world, I know this, God wants you and I to support our leaders. And um, he says, actually, hey, make their work a joy. When you follow them, when you support them, um, make it a blessing for them. Just like he obviously made it a blessing for Jonathan. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to try to be a blessing to these guys around me. God's using them. They're launching out into some great faith ventures, and I want to be a part of that. But my role is going to be to support them. And yet the only way you can really make that commitment, either you just do it in blind, like, a, you know, blind faith, or I'm just following this person, they're my favorite personality ever, I'm just kind of like one of their biggest fans, and I'll just do whatever they say. Uh, I don't think that's what Scripture talks about. But I do think there's a faith where you go, you know, this other verse I think of, uh, Romans 10, 11, just says, Anyone who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. Anyone who trusts in Him... If you trust God, you won't be put to shame. If you follow this leader around, you try to support them, try to be a blessing to them. If you really trust in God first, uh, you don't have to worry if they mess up. If they lead you into some crazy thing like trying to climb a cliff against the odds, against the enemy. You don't have to worry about it if you're trusting God. Because my thought was, 
I can jump in with these guys because, God, you got my back covered, right? And if these guys try to do something crazy, you know, if they say, hey, we got this new vision, we're up and planting the whole church, we're, we're all moving to Texas, we're all moving to Waco, Texas, come and join us, you know, and then I would go, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if that sounds like it's from the Lord or not, uh, you know, um, or if they said things like, hey, there's this comet coming around. We think God is, you know, wants us to kind of hop a ride with this comet. Join us. Wear your tuxedo. We're going to take our lives when the comet comes around. You know, I go, well, I don't think my leaders lead me into that. But if they did, I wouldn't probably do that, you know. Um, but I trust God. You know, the funny thing is sometimes people say, well, they're going to hurt you. Leaders are going to hurt you. They're going to... Well, I've never, in my years, 18 years of following Christ, I've never had a leader in my life who led me into sin. Usually they led me into doing things that were maybe against my sin, or things that were a faith venture, things that were on God's heart. But, you know, there's character requirements in the New Testament. Say, hey, by the way, your leaders have to be men of character. And uh, they have to be men who are doing things that are on God's heart. And you know what? Those leaders don't even lead on their own. It's not a dictatorship. They are submitted to a team of co-leaders. It's called plurality. And that's the way our uh, pastoral leadership works. And, and God has built in some things there. But worst case, I knew you know, hey, if these guys are going to mess things up, God has got my back covered. It takes a great faith to do that. Um, you know, the other thing I just want to say here, that him responding to uh, Jonathan, it brought a unity. You know, God really blesses unity, even if it's two people. One person, it doesn't take that much humility to go like, okay, here's two ideas here, you know, let's go with my idea. One person, you know, all you got to do is vote on it. You go, Should we do this? All in favor, aye. The ayes have it. Again, you know, the ayes always have it. It's just one person. If you get into conflict with just the one of you, there's bigger fish to fry. Um, but, uh, but, you know, so, but to work with someone else it requires a humility. To have a unity with some other being, whether it's your spouse, whether it's some business venture, it, it takes a, a, some humility. It takes a yieldedness to work together. And God says, by the way, I bless that heavily. Psalm 133 just talks about how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together, live together in unity. goes on to say, There the Lord commanded a blessing. There's a blessing that God commands when you're united with others. And, and I think these guys saw that blessing. Alright. Um, you know, the last thing, when, when I go back to the question, Why did Jonathan, why did his armor bearer do it? One of the reasons why, one of the things that's most obvious to me is that um, he did it because... Jonathan called him into it. You know, sometimes I can just look at that example of loyalty and go, wow, that is fascinating, that's amazing, what a guy, what a loyal guy that was. But how did we ever find out he had that sort of loyalty? Because Jonathan proposed a risky faith venture. Jonathan said, here's the deal, buddy. Let's go do this. Are you in or are you not? And really, his loyalty was, I'm in, I'm with your heart and soul. In some ways, that faith venture showcased this man's loyalty. And and we, we had to, you know... He responded to that, and he responded to it by saying, Here, here's my loyalty. Whatever it is, maybe it's great, maybe it's not, it's all I got, I'm in, I'm with you. Let's do this thing, because I trust God too. And so, you know, when it comes to uh, the, the vision that God has for us coming up here, um, just as pastors, we, we want to invite you to join us in this crazy faith venture. God's got some things here, this idea of uh, having three locations and within three years, it's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy idea. It's, it, you look at who we got and you go, Man, I'm just glad to keep the ship afloat here, you know? That's kind of a big deal, right? Well, God is not worried about just keeping the ship afloat. I think He wants us to be blessing others, to be reaching the end of the world, the ends of the earth together. Really, our vision statement as a church is, um, you know, reaching the world with Jesus starting here. We want to start here, but the whole mission is to reach others, to reach others and teach them to reach others and, and just to multiply until the world is reached or, or Christ returns or both. Um, but we want to invite you in, into joining, joining in with this. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some humility because, you know, as pastors, um, you're, you're running with... You know, I hate to say it, but you're running with a bunch of nobodies here. You've got a bunch of goobers as leaders of this church. I hate to tell you, no books that have been published that we like to talk about. There's no, um, um, you know, but, but we feel like God has something He's calling us all into. And we'd invite you to take a part, play a part in that. We don't even know what those parts might look like yet. It's going to take faith. You know, uh, I'm a sinner that's been saved by grace, and so are all my co-pastors here. And, you know, I could mess up, and I could do something dumb. Happens all the time around my house. And, um, but, but if you're trusting God, you know, He can take care of that. Uh, he, he'll cover your back even if someone else 
messes up. And you can take great comfort in that, and you should take great comfort in that. Um, it's gonna, there's a unity, though. I think with anyone who says, I'm in, I think there's a unity that God will bless. And, and yet we feel like this is what God's calling us into. And, and we're, we're putting it before you and saying, guys, we'd love to have you join in. We would be blessed to have a few armor bearers that say, I'm with you heart and soul. Do whatever God has put on your mind. Uh, I'm in. And that's what we're praying for. That's what we would hope you would consider as well. Um, the last thing we're going to look at here is, um, you know, it's really what happened after. So uh, Jonathan makes his faith proposal. The armor bearer says, I'm in. And then Jonathan says, um, you know, it's not in this verse. The verse before this says this. Um, uh, then Jonathan said, Behold, we'll cross over to the men. And, um, but really, I think it goes kind of like this. Jonathan says, Hey, let's do this crazy thing with God. And armor bearer says, I'm in. And then Jonathan says, Good, let's come up with a plan now. Uh, we, we need a plan, probably. And so it was kind of, the NAS says, Then, in response to the armor bearer, Then Jonathan proposed this plan. I wonder if the armor bearer didn't say, I'm in. If he said, You're crazy, I'm out. I don't know what would have happened. Maybe nothing. But he said, I'm in. And then Jonathan said, Here is a, here's a crazy faith plan. And he threw it out there. And here's how he framed it right here. He says, um, If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, well then we'll stand in our place and not go up to them. And who knows what happens there. Kind of left that open-ended. Um, but then he said, But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has given them into our hands, and this shall be a sign to us. If they say, come up, then we know God is wanting us to do this. And we'll go do it and we'll trust Him to back it because that's our sign. And it was kind of this, um, you know, we've talked about it. I talked about it this week in our, our weekly email, the, the Siren. If you're not on the Siren, feel free to sign up. We'll get you on the Siren list here. Weekly devotional announcements as well. But uh, we talked about this sort of if-then faith. And... Um, Jonathan used an if-then faith plan. You know, I've noticed this showing up in the, in the Scriptures more and more. In the Old Testament, a number of times there's been these if-then faith situations. It kind of seems like it's not that big of a faith. You know, it's like, God, if you really want me to do this then... You know, it seems like a wimpy sort of faith, but it happens time and time again, and the result is always God shows up in an overwhelmingly amazing way. Um, and so, but that was his, he had an if-then one. Other ones we had talked about were, uh, you know, I think about Gideon. Gideon's like, Lord, if you really want me to do this, first, uh, would you accept this offering from me? And so, you know, he goes, prepares this offering, boom, fires zaps, and he goes, okay, I think God wants me to do this. That wasn't enough, and he said, well, and if you really are going to back me, We'll do this whole fleece thing, you know, the wet fleece, the dry fleece. He did three, three if-then situations for Gideon to get on the ball. And eventually he acts out in faith. God responds amazingly. He's in the Faith Hall of Fame we talked about there in Hebrews 11. Uh, Hannah is just in the first Samuel here, early on before Samuel's born. He was actually an answer to prayer. And his, his mom said, Lord, if you'll give me a son, if you'll do this, then... Here's what I'm going to do. Her if then was about what God would do and what she would do in response to that. And uh, he gave her a son. And his name was Samuel. And the rest is history there. Um, but that was her expression. The New Testament has a couple examples as well. I think about in Mark um, chapter 2, there's a leper that approaches Jesus. And he, he tells Jesus his if then proposal is, Lord, if, if you're willing, then you can heal me. You're able to. He believed he was able to. And just said, hey, if you're willing, you can do this. And Jesus said... I am willing. And he healed that leper. And one time, um, the Apostle Peter, you know, they're out on the water and Jesus is walking. They're not sure if it's him. They're all freaking out. You know, whoa, is that a ghost? Is that a person? I don't know. But Peter said this, Lord, if, if it's you, then tell me to come to you on the water. I throw in the then there. But if it's you, tell me to come, come to you on the water. And what happened? Jesus said, Come. And Peter was the only disciple that we know of who ever walked on water. But his proposal was, Lord, if it's you, then, eh, then tell me to come to you. And he did. And the rest is history there. But, you know, we've got kind of our own if-then sort of proposal coming up as a church here. You know, God responds. It seems like a small sort of faith to have. Scriptures are real clear. Jesus taught, he taught this, Matthew 17, 20. Um, He's saying to the disciples about their faith, he said, Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. Jesus just taught, all it takes is a little bit of faith, even if it's some sort of, 
God, if you do this, then I'll take that as a sign. I need to do this. And we're going to have some opportunities to express that coming up here. Um, you know, I think about uh, just, I've done this in a personal way. My wife and I had a situation just a couple years ago where we were trying to see, we lived three blocks from this building, and it was really close, really convenient. It was our neighborhood, and yet we started getting these kids, you know. They kept showing up at our house there and got to five, and uh, then they started getting bigger and bigger, you know, not just uh, numbers, but in volume yeah, as well. And we started going, this is, we got to, how do we fit in this house that we have here, 1,400 square feet? And, um, you know, we, we started going, God, if, if you want us to move, there's a couple housing options here. But we had this one. We thought, Lord, if it's that house, here's some things. Our if then was, Lord, if it's that, if you want us to move there, here's some things we think you'd have to show us here. We had four if-then signs there. But one was, Lord, if, if that's the one, we're going to put a low-ball offer in on it. If they bite on it, well, that'll be the sign. And so, you know, we had been watching this house even for, uh, for a while. We had seen it. it. It was up way too high, and they dropped it down about $29,000 from what it was. And we're like, yeah, still way too high. Eventually, it didn't sell. It didn't sell. They dropped it $100,000 one day. And we're like, that is coming down. And we're still like, uh, <laughs> it's still out of our price range. And so we finally said, you know, Lord, we're going to go 35 lower than what it just came down to. We threw an offer in, and they said yes. And then we were like, oh no, you know. And then, uh, uh, then we had the other steps. We're like, okay, well, if they accept a low offer, then we got to sell high, Lord. So if you're in this, I mean, the whole thing could fall through at any time. But if you're in this, we got to sell high. We picked a price. Our realtor said, uh, that's a little higher than I would suggest that you pick. And we felt like, but that's what we got to do. That's the number. So we threw it out there and, and we got a couple of offers and things. And by the time we were done, we got what we asked for it. But then we also said, okay, well, then everything has to check out on the inspection of this other place. It had had some different issues along the way and they said they took care of them, but we said, you know, that's got to check out. We're going to bring an engineer in and make sure he looks at everything there on the, the structure, the foundation, everything, And because uh, if that doesn't check out, we're out of this deal. And they came in and said, you know, it's fixed and that's a good uh, guarantee you have from the company that did the work and all this stuff. And so we're like, okay, there's another one. Then lastly, it was like, well, we need to get the loan and probably need to remodel, have some remodel money, and, and that loan was a, quite a process. We're like, Lord, if you you know, okay, it's it bought low, selling high, checked out on the inspection, and now we need a loan here. If this is from you, Lord, we need this all approved. And after all the eyes were dotted, after all the blood tests and uh, different donations that had to happen there, um, uh, they approved us for that. And, and we're like, okay, we're in. But it was our own if-then sort of scenario. And, and God walked us through and He checked everything out. And now we look at that and we go, it's completely from the Lord He wanted us there. And we've had more people through our home in two years than we probably had a cumulative over five years in our other place. And uh, we've had, you know, my daughter Tisha move in with us. And we've got all sorts of neighbors we're reaching out to my, my seven foot three neighbor Mark and it's been a blessing to reach out to him praise the Lord that he came to Easter service here and we're still loving on him um, I talked to him yesterday uh, he walks his dog You know, we're, he's uh, making a strong case to my kids why we need to get a dog but uh, he was saying, I was like, yeah, what are you doing today and he's, he's like, you know what, friend and I are probably going to go play some volleyball you know, and I was thinking Yes, I would take you on my volleyball team. You imagine that? That would be awesome. You're on my team every time. Um, but anyways, you know, God answered in awesome ways to a little bit of faith. And, and I think He wants to do that to us. And you might think of your own situation and you go, God, here's all I got. I got a little if and then thing. And that's just a tiny seed that God can respond to. And you know, actually, we're doing that as a church here. We've got an if-then game plan for this vision. And I want to share that with you. Maybe you guys have already heard about it. But... What we feel like God wants us to do here, again, is this um, three locations within three years. Um, but we also sense God could do this faster than that. We get a sense that God could do this much faster. We, we, we're afraid of that in a good sort of way, in a faith-requiring way. But So we've got this plan, an if-then plan. is going to be something like this. For the next three months, June, July, and August, we're going to take one Sunday a week, one Sunday a month, one Sunday a week, is that's all there is, right? Um, but uh, we're going to take one Sunday a month. We're going to meet kind of at our central headquarters location all month long, but once a month, we're going to break into three locations. And there's going to be a central location for those of you that are in the neighborhood that this is kind of your neighborhood or, or you want it to be your neighborhood. Those are on the north side of town. We're going to try a location somewhere north, and we're going to try a location somewhere south. Once a month we're going to do three locations and we're going to see what happens. 
If nobody shows, we'll probably be done. I, I don't know. I feel like it's, a, it's kind of an if-then. You know, Jonathan said, if they say, wait there, we'll come down to you. He didn't really say what was going to happen there. We kind of have that scenario. We don't know what's going to happen on, if, if it doesn't play out like this. But if in three months we're going to try these three locations, June, I'll get some dates for you here. You might have talked about these in your small group. June 22nd, three locations. July 20th, three locations. August 17th, three locations. We're going to take some time to experiment and go, God, if you're in this, and if you're moving this faster than we think, uh, what we need to see in, in three months is we need to see, we need three church planting type teams. We need three groups of people that say, I'm in. I want to help reach this neighborhood. I, I want to reach these neighbors. These are my neighbors, actually. Um, but we need a team. And really our first time we explore this June, uh, what I ever said there, June 22nd, um, it's probably going to be a lot like, hey guys, so you want on this team, because we've got to develop a team here. Second thing we're going to look at, we're going to try to do some barbecues and different things like that and see, uh, do we have a team? Do we have anyone who we could actually reach, who we could actually invite to things, anyone who would actually show up on, on the neighbors we're trying to love side of things? We're going to experiment with that. Third thing we're going to do in August, we're also going to, after we gather data, um, we're going to do a fundraiser. We're going to say, hey guys, here's what we've seen. Here's what we think it would take financially to pull this off, either manpower or uh, church planning team supplies or whatever. But after three months, we're going to go, Lord, what would you do with the teams? What would you do with the, the neighbors that could potentially be reached through this? What would you do financially? And then we're going to go, and if it seems like all systems are click, 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 go, uh, and then we're like... Oh my gosh, I don't know what we'll do, but uh, we know that's the test there. And if that doesn't happen, maybe God's like, you know what? I just want you to do once a month, three neighborhoods for the whole ne next year, next two years, maybe three years. We'll actually have three, three different churches there. That might be the case. But if things seem to go quickly on teams and, and people to reach and finances, we're going to have to start figuring out how do we become one church with three locations. In some ways, it's like having a central headquarters here. It's the only place we have right now. I mean, it is our headquarters. It's our only office. But we'd probably try to leverage things from the central to the north and the south, and we'd have one leadership team, one pastoral team, one budget. Um, but it could get kind of exciting as we explore these three different locations. And so... Um, we're going to invite you to join in this crazy faith thing. We're going to even ask you to, you know, you can pick. We don't, we're not going to force you like this. You have to do this. Um, there's some locations that make sense. Like if you don't want to love your neighbors for some reason, you want to go the opposite side of town, we've got to ask, why? Why is that? What's going on here? Um, you know, but if your heart's in it, one of the different locations, then we think, you know, we, we, it's going to be probably each location will have a mix. There'll probably be, you know, some families that naturally gravitate towards the, the suburbs or north and south, you know, areas and job centers north and south down by there, Tech Center, and up towards Boulder and things. But there might be some things that go, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd like to do that. And there's others that you, you might go, you know, I'm really tied into these relationships. I want to be, I'm going to go to that location. And, you know, we're, we're just going to kind of take it case by case, and we're going to explore the whole thing together here. Um, but we want to invite you guys to, to join us in this crazy faith venture here, in this potentially risky faith venture. Um, uh, we're excited about it. We don't know all the details, but you guys want in. You know, you want to come? You want to join in here? I hope, I hope that you would. We're going to go ahead and pray, and we'll call it a morning here. But thank you for joining. Uh, you know, I would say this. If you're visiting, uh, that's okay. We, we'd still love to have you join in. And, and if you're from out of town, I encourage you, join in with someone somewhere. Say, say, I'm in, wherever your neighborhood, if it's out of town, do that. If you consider moving to Denver, we'd love to have you here. That's, that'd be awesome. Um, but we got to jump in somewhere. And um, with people that have a big view of God, and they know what's on God's heart, and we'd invite you to join us here as we do that. So let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, um, God, I just... I just tell you, I love you, we love you, Lord. God, we're blessed to be your little church here in the Highlands neighborhood, just being a light and a witness for you and for your name and for your glory. And God, we sense that we're just responding to your faith initiative, and it's bigger than we would have probably picked, Lord. And 
if you want to change your mind about that, great. Let us know. But uh, God, otherwise, give us what we would need to, to follow you into this. Lord, we do uh, offer up just an if-then faith proposal. Lord, if, if you're moving this along sooner than later, then I, I pray you'd raise up teams, Lord. I pray you'd provide neighbors and people to reach. I pray you'd provide the finances and everything that would be needed, Lord God. And um, But we just look to you, Lord. We want to see you glorified. Lord, we know that reaching people for Christ, reaching those who don't know you, and would be sentenced to eternity apart from you. Lord, we know that they are on your heart. Help us to go and to reach them. Lord, help us to lay down our lives to, to love them. And, um, and as we go, Lord, help us to make disciples, Lord, of, of our own families, of anyone who gets reached. Lord, we need your grace in all of this, God. We thank you that you are you're not hindered, you're not restrained by many or by few. And we just ask you to be glorified in great ways. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning, and uh, hopefully we'll see you uh, Wednesday night. I think uh, is it small groups this week? Yeah, we'll have some more small groups discussion on this subject uh, Wednesday night. So feel free to join in there, and uh, uh, hopefully catch you next Sunday. Brad will be be teaching next Sunday right here. So thanks a lot.